We are drunk. Just like uh, Fred Durst said in that Limp Biscuit song. Which which one? Roland. All of them. What, what are you talking about, Roland? I I don't actually know any Limp Biscuit songs. That's weird. I had Limp Biscuit stuck in my head the other day. Break stuff. I, of course, I know Break stuff. That's a that's a favorite of Katie's. Um, very very special song. Amazing music video too. But then a friend was telling me that Fred Durst was a noted Buddhist at the time. <laughs> and checks out. Not to pretend that I have any, you know, sort of authoritative knowledge of Buddhism, but I don't know how much the content of Break Stuff really fits with Buddhism. I don't know. When he talks about breaking your face, he means breaking his own face. It means shattering. Yeah, maybe he's talking about, like, attachment to material things and breaking yeah. that. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, I need to. we need to look into that. I was feeling like shit a couple of days ago, um, you know, between being unemployed and having lots of anxiety about that, you know, I have a solid weekly freak out about that. Sure. And I'm, other... I'm, I'm, in, I'm employed and I have a solid. Sure. Yeah. Uh, daily freak out about that. So. Yeah, of course. But the other day I was like, I had a really just a, a, a shitty day and you know, Sean, I'm not religious or anything. I'm not like a Bill Maher atheist or whatever, but I'm not really a religious man. But this this really, um, the universe really uh, put out its hand and arm to me in a time of, you know, some emotional distress and sent to me a basic channel record from 1994 <laughs> that I did not know existed. And if that isn't a sign of some greater power out there, then I, I really don't know what is. <clears throat> so this track uh, reaffirmed uh, your faith? or I don't know. I mean, it just, it, it completely changed my mood. It was just like, That's you know, great. it was just like, you know what? Yep. Sucks. But hey, you know what doesn't suck? A basic channel record from 1994 <laughs> that you didn't know about. So this is the track, uh, the quadrant track, Ditic, on uh, the new electronic uh, compilation. That's it. Ditic, Ditic, Ditic. Who knows? Ditic. I don't know. As you. D y t i q. It's more unpronounceable than any other basic channel record somehow. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's from the new electronic comp. And yeah, it's. I don't know how I didn't know about this, but it's it's. I a, I, I know uh, I know I've heard that comp before and i'm sure i've listened to to the quadrant track before but uh yeah i i had i had no real recollection of it either um, it's uh i mean it's it's i don't know how to describe it it's 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 a little more it it's very sort of you know it's a classic sort of early 90s 909 track it's got some of the uh Got some more like shuffling percussion that you wouldn't expect from Basic Channel necessarily. Yeah, I think I think it's a little houseier. It's very yeah. much in the same. It's very much in the same vibe as the you know the well known Quadrant record, but but it does right. have a little bit of a little bit of a houseier vibe. Great track. Yeah, and it's a little spacier also than the other than the better known Quadrant track.
but yeah, this uh, this really just kind of I don't know. It's I, I you know we keep threatening to do a basic channel episode um, in which I will just kind of break down and cry about how much basic channel means to me. Um, <laughs> we can but, do that now if you want. You can. I mean, you can cry. It's it's okay. Can, I know. I know. You can cry. You can cry if you I'm feeling good. I just listened to the track. And so I'm feeling good. This 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 track's a real a real you know a real good uplifting track. And that's you know that was what I needed at the time. And uh, and yeah, sometimes who who it's like uh, maybe a Pharaoh Sanders track or something. Music is the healing force of something. There's something I'm not sure, but that's a track title for some kind of spiritual jazz record. It sounds about right. And who am um, I? Who am I to disagree? Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's it's a really nice track. Like Katie's actually been because I I basically don't listen to music, right? Like uh, Katie kind of puts on stuff, and then I I get annoyed when she puts on something like like the maudlin, um, uh, emotive uh, Chicago post rock uh, kind of indie stuff she puts on sometimes. Really, oh yeah, I find that I find that stuff very physically oppressive i felt like i i listen to noise and speedcore and gabber and uh you know uh, or whatever doomy goth rock i listen to all of that endlessly and it will have no i none of that i find kind of depressing uh but the kind of moody maudlin uh indie thing i find oh so heavy it's so heavy is it heavy or do, um, you, do you get like annoyed by it there's a little bit of annoyance sometimes like Especially the more kind of indie, the indier uh, leaning stuff. Yeah. Uh, but but like a lot of it, I don't mind. Like, you know, I can I can deal with whatever. Like some tortoise stuff is like, oh, this is kind of cool and interesting at points and whatever. But uh, I do find it very just so oppressive. It puts Heavy. me in a really just very sad sad space. Right. Um. Katie actually has been listening to a lot of Talk Talk as well, which is a similar thing. Talk Talk, I, fantastic band, fantastic mm. band, brilliant. Uh, what's the guy's name? Mark Hollis. Mark, is that right? Uh, I don't know. Brilliant, incredible songwriter, incredible songwriter. But uh, I can't listen to a whole album because it makes me feel very, very sad. Just bums you out. Yeah, it's very just like oh, the world is very weighty. Feelings right. are very real. I, I, it does things to me that music. I don't like music to do. <laughs> you um, like to be straight down, straight down the middle, not affect <laughs> you at all. <laughs> well, you know, music should be either uh, utterly joyous or, or, or totally, uh, totally, uh, you know, totally Vap- destructive. Or should totally be... vapid and empty. And yeah, yeah. you know, I love, uh, you know, uh, the most banal tallow and, uh, you know, Regis. So, right. Um, but no, uh, back, back to the more, immediately substantial point or immediately relevant point. Uh, Katie's been listening to a lot of, of Carl Craig 6-9 uh, stuff lately, which, mm. I, which I think does have a very similar a similar vibe, similar space that the Quadrant track does. Definitely, yeah. Especially since um, the, other, the other Quadrant tracks, well, I think they first came out on RNS, but then they came out on Planet E. Right. Yeah, um, no. Plenty plan- E did the did a re uh, reissue or re like something like that. Yeah, yeah. I can't I can't remember the timeline. They did a neither pure can I. Show, yeah. 
I was also um, four at the time, so that's <laughs> why I can't remember the timeline. But I mean, I I wasn't listening to yeah techno until you know at least a few years after that, ninety seven, ninety eight. But but uh, yeah, the sixty nine stuff is in a very similar kind of kind of vein, and that's kind of yeah the 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 quadrant track. It's really the kind of like yeah sh- like lightly shuffling housey nine oh nine percussion that really kind of is very in sync with what Carl Craig was doing under that name at that, at that time. Yeah, especially. absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> not as uh six, nine stuff is obviously really sample too. Yeah. It has yeah. maybe a little more of an explicitly kind of, um, uh, new wave leaning thing. There's a mm-hmm. lot of, um, a lot of subtle or not so subtle kind of new wave, uh, references in six, nine. Was the Liaison Dangereuse sample? Yeah. Was that a 6-9 track or was that... Yeah. Diff- okay. Yeah, yeah. That's... That's... Uh, that's 6-9. Um, I've always known it. 6-9, you said 6-9 earlier. I, well, I, you know. I'm actually, I'm actually not sure what's, what's correct. Given how horny Carl Craig's Twitter account is, I'm going to continue saying 69, but... <laughs> Actually, sixty nine four twenty is the correct pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that's that stuff is is so great. When I was thinking of tracks to discuss, we can loop back to uh, basic channel whenever. Of course, when I when I was thinking of tracks to discuss, all I could think of is the track that has been running consistently in my head for the last like eight months. Which is uh, Kid Creole and the Coconuts? Uh, don't take my coconuts. It's just oh, no. it's just there in my head. I don't know it. You should. It take, sounds like I should know it. Yeah. Take take a moment and just listen. I mean, you shouldn't necessarily know. It. You know, it's a it's a very much a track of its of its time. Mm-hmm. Um, should I just pull yeah, it up get, real quick and get a quick yeah. list? Quick yeah, get it, get it, get it, get a, get a feel for it. Is that what is that what the last eight months have felt like you to you, Sean? Uh, uh, I mean, inside of my head, yeah, it's just it's just there always. <laughs> Confronted dun, dun, with the dun, collapse dun, of society dun, dun, and just. <laughs> it's just it's just there constantly in my head. That's great. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's a beautiful song, and it's about food, which I love. Right, right. Um, it has those. It has that slight kind of um. Almost ska-like vibe with the trumpets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever make pandacoco coconut bread? I have, have made pandacoco. I have made pandacoco a couple. Of times. I haven't. I haven't tinkered with it recently, but I did actually make some pandacoco um, at some point last year. Um, one of my gazillion pet projects right now 
because as we we all know I, I do everything and i do it moderately poorly um but uh one of one of my pet projects right now is a uh, a cookbook um utilizing sourdough uh, recipes utilizing sourdough discard like you're writing it or you're yeah yeah i mean i'm compiling recipes for this nice form formulating recipes but wow, i was, this, I was is a, exp- this is a big scoop is is it that yeah you're yeah i mean you know can well, um, let's let's get the let's get the details on this you know, emerging put my, thing put my dilettante dilettante cap on dilettante cop on um <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no. It's a, like I've been working on this project for about a year, um, tinkering here and there. Uh, but yeah, I was uh, I was playing around with Pan de Coco at some point for that. So I was tinkering with um, formulas, uh, basically sourdough uh, Pan de Coco. Hmm. Um, or, you know, and utilizing sourdough disc. Did it, so, did it, Diego. did it work out? Yeah, it was. I like. I haven't revisited it since it was probably last fall, like early fall. Like was the last mm-hmm. time I ate it. Um, it was tasty, yeah. Um, that much I remember. Um, I definitely wasn't keeping rigorous notes on those experiments, though. Mm-hmm. But you've been keeping notes on the others. What? What? Like? What are? What? What was the thing that sort of lit the fuse in your head to say I should compile these? Well, like uh, everyone started baking yeah. in the pandemic, yeah, was was the big thing. Um, no, I mean I, I I've been you know uh, a hobbyist baker for like thirteen, fourteen years, um, with a you know a, a several year break while Katie was gluten free. But um, uh, when and then you actually were responsible for for reinitiating my baking passion. I was. I, t- I take. I, take... <clears throat> I I give you full credit for that. Yeah, it was your dinner party, uh, in like whatever 2017 was it, or maybe even 18. Uh, one of those, but yeah, you yeah, brought you some bread, a... and we had a lot of cheese. Yeah, cheese and a... wine and bread. Classic party. Yeah, it was great. Um, but that's that was that was the um that was really the impetus. For, for for you know for reinitiate not the impetus that was that was what really kicked off my um the the, I'm the current baking the current baking <laughs> yeah. uh the, the line of the current baking uh reality yes yes i worded it a lot better than <laughs> <laughs> i worded that perfectly yeah we're we're on fire we got our chops easy um, this podcasting shit is easy <laughs> But, but was yeah. there one like discard thing? Because you know, I like everyone last year tried my hand at baking and did it worse than moderately poorly. Um, not the you know whatever it was edible, but I was, well, I, was I was struggling. Um, but you know, I was also like you know your your pizzas have been looking your pizzas have been looking good though. I guess I've been it, using commercial yeast. Oh, that's fine though. That's fine. Like, there's no no shame in that. Well. Well, but so my sourdoughing. Your, your sourdough, the sourdough was, was a, a failed experiment. But you've been doing great otherwise. It was mo- mostly failed. Um, but you know, I got some good stuff out of it, and I, and I learned a lot. But yeah, one thing I learned was, you know, I hate wasting food. 
And throwing out that sourdough discard, you know, really was a kind of knife in my chest every every morning. And so I would make a little pan. I would fry it up and make a little pancake. But what what what's like? What's your favorite? What's what's the use of the sourdough discard where you were like, okay, like definitely have something here. Um, I, I mean, I'm not sure what I what what prompted me wanting to start this was um, just the fact that all the recipes out there for using sourdough discard are really bad. Mm. Um, I mean, by and large, you can, I mean, th- there are more fine discard recipes out there, but the the baseline of what you'll find, particularly if you want to use it for something that's a little, like a little left of center, mm-hmm. um, or not left of center, but you know, if you want to use it for something that's a little, if, if you want to use, use it for something that isn't crackers or pancakes, it starts right, getting right. a little weird. Um, so there's a lot of really bad recipes out there. And I mean, that was really the impetus. Just like, like, okay, like I'm sure that I can make a recipe 100 times better than this thing if I, yeah. if I try six times. Um, which has also led me into experimenting with a lot of sweets, which I have not done <clears throat> historically. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've been very much a bread maker. I'm not so interested in cakes and cookies and, you know, that kind of stuff. Patisserie. Viennoiserie, yeah. <laughs> Viennoiserie. Uh, that I mean, that Viennoiserie is that's so, a whole different ball game. Yeah, that that's really a headache. Um, but uh, also, sobriety kind of also reinitiated uh, a um, uh, my. You sweet got your tooth. sweet tooth, yeah. That like you know, in in lieu of alcohol, cookies are amazing. <laughs> they they fit they fit that they fit that hole perfectly. <laughs> yeah, they do. That's um, good. So yeah, like those are kind of a uh, all part of you know started me wanting to start this project. Yeah, just bad recipes out there. Also, every and you know, like like I kind of started saying like as a more experienced baker, I was having tons of friends come to me for advice with yeah. sourdough, and one of the big questions everyone's like, well, so what do you do with the discard? Right. I'm just like, well, you can throw it out or you can make pancakes or I don't know. I've done, I've done other things, but it kind of sucks. And right. So yeah. I've been, I've been doing a deep dive in, in what you can do with this guard um, for, for a while. What's the biggest failure that you've experimented with? Sorry. Sorry to make this uh bread camp beta interview, but <laughs> what it is. The biggest failure. I mean, well, like as you suggested earlier, like failure is pretty relative when it comes to baking. Sure. If you, yeah. if, if you can eat it and it tastes kind of okay, then it, was it a failure? Right. You know, like it's 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 part of the journey. Right. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, I think baking needs to be approached uh, as something of a spiritual practice like that. So you know, there is <laughs> right. There to is no real every ex- accept everything as it is and. Sure. Right. And so, you know, like, it, all, all food is a gift. This is, this is a joy yes. to be celebrated. Yes. Um, my ruthless critic side has, sees everything as a failure. So sure. <laughs> yeah. Literally everything. Um, biggest failure in kind of real terms. Uh, I, I, a lot of my earlier cookie experiments mm. were, were pretty off the mark because I was using too much starter, which was incorporating too much water. 
So as someone who has very little experience with, uh, or mo- you know, moderately little experience with um, sweets and desserts and, and you know, um, quick breads in general, um, I really had to kind of teach myself how to bake that stuff from the ground up. And because I'm devising right. all my own formulas, it really is like, okay, like, how, how does this work? So mm-hmm. it's, 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 that's just been a lot of trial and error, but I've, I've gotten, I've gotten some, some pretty, pretty satisfactory results. In that case is, is the sour, is the sourdough really giving the cookies more a nice tang or is it contributing to the texture quite a bit as well? You, like you get a subtle, you do get a subtle tang. Um, and you can mitigate some of that too, by adding, um, you know, if, if you want, a more muted tang. You could there, there are ways to mitigate that as mm-hmm. well. Um, but yeah, I I like a little bit of the sourness. Oh you know, yeah, no, it sounds it, great. A little a little not too sweet cookie with a little a little a little tang sounds sounds delicious. Yeah, I mean, like it it'll do something similar to like buttermilk might do in a biscuit. You know, it adds um, right a little a little acidity, sometimes a little bit of kind of savoriness. Uh, and a little bit of, uh, yeah, just kind of complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a batch of uh, peanut butter cookies last night that I am going to eat two or three when we're done podcasting. So. That sounds great. I would love a peanut butter. I haven't had a peanut butter in a long time. I eat a lot of peanut butter. I, I generally eat a lot of peanut butter, but we have not been eating peanut butter recently. And I'm, and now that you say peanut butter, I'm like, oh shit. I... <laughs> That's real. Would love some peanut butter right now, just a big old spoonful. One of my biggest pandemic revelations has been uh, when, when the pandemic first hit, my aunt sent me and Katie very generously a care package with a bunch of kind of, you know, she sent over flour for baking, which is very hard to get at the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, a bunch of just kind of like entry goods and some groceries and stuff. It was wonderful and really a lifesaver. But she sent over... Uh, I think it was two, like five pound, like uh, cylinders. Was it Jeff? I think it. I think it was Peter Pan. Peter Pan. And these things. Uh, this I, may like, have been things... covered on a previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was. <laughs> <laughs> but let's. But fuck. But fuck it. Let's keep going. Yeah. No. These. These like towers. Of Peter Pan peanut butter. And. You know, Katie and I. Corn syrup. Uh, it, it's a lot of palm uh, palm oil and right. uh, sugar. Uh, Katie and I like normally eat, you know, the like organic bullshit peanut butter. Right. Um. The, these these towers, Peter Pan converted me wholly <laughs> to the uh, toxic nightmare. Um, you know, processed peanut butter. That shit is fucking good. It is good. It is. It's good. just better. It's just better. Sorry. <laughs> it is. It is, I mean, it's, it's like they add up so much sugar that of course it's going to be, I mean, that's the other, that's the unfortunate thing, right? Is your well, level the, the of, wor- as your level of sugar thing. goes up, you just need more sugar. <laughs> um, the worst thing is the palm oil, which is like, you know, terrible for the, terrible for the environment, right? Right. It's, oh yeah. God, it's, it's, it's so good. It's so much better than the organic stuff. That never separates. Never separates. That's true. I Tastes really incredible. don't like. I really find mixing the peanut butter to be a pain in the ass. Honestly, 
it's a big deterrent, right? Like you're like, oh, I could have a little peanut butter right now. Oh, I can stir it. Nah, no peanut butter for me. Like I know this is like pinnacle first world problem kind of situation, but <laughs> I really, it annoys the shit out of me. So maybe, yeah. maybe I got to go back to Jif or Peter Pan. <laughs> surely have, there's I a good middle some... ground, right? Surely, surely there's some between palm oil and sugar peanut butter product. Well, pa- palm oil's in a lot of the, um, the you know, the scare quotes organic stuff too. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, I know, like you know, like whatever, like the the Whole Foods brand. I'm pretty sure it has palm oil. Like it's. It's in all that stuff. Anyways. You're telling me an Amazon product is bad for the environment, Sean? Are you telling me? I know. I know it's almost unthinkable. Did I ever mention this that I went to um, a Whole Foods once, and I hadn't been in a Whole Foods in a long time, and I was just walking through, and in the sort of area with the supplements and yoga mats and apparel. Um, there was also a small little library there, and there was a book that just said "Conscious Capitalism," and I just oh, lovely. I uh, like. I managed to finish my shopping, but internally I was freaking out. I was like, <laughs> I mean, but that's that's been terrifying. Like, that's been a, a buzzword from from those corners for uh, you know for a good while, right? Oh yeah, of course. You know, it just like this. This is very much part of the kind of Silicon Valley ethos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, like, and then the other like freak out I had was when I lived in Harlem for a bit. I went to the Whole Foods there, and I like wasn't really paying attention when I walked in and basically like very nearly hit a cop's gun, who was just a cop who was just like stationed at the entrance of the Whole Foods. Sure. I was like, right, yeah, this is good. this is good. Like, cop protecting the Whole Foods and the food from all the people who can't afford the Whole Foods prices. And then I was walking around and realized that with my non-existent Prime discount membership, I could get money off, but I'm not a Prime member, so I can't. You know, uh, not to not to turn too far away from from bread and back to music, because God forbid we we do that. I think it was very interesting what you said about bread being a sort of conversation between the side of you that wants to embrace every piece of bread that comes out as a gift and the other side, which is a ruthless critic. And I think that's, I don't want to, you know, speaking for myself, and I assume you would agree with this, is that 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 seems like our general relationship to music making as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think, I think cooking in general and baking in particular are uh, very much uh, related to music, um, or at least I, I I approach them as as very similar processes. Um, you know, to put it kind of crassly, you know, kind of part uh, part science, part magic. You know, um, right? Uh, but yeah, like you know, cooking. And baking particularly are are very much iterative processes, you know, as music is. Yeah. Um, like, oh, we can try this. Okay, next time let's try that. Try adding, you know, whatever a little. Right. A, li- a little more paprika, or uh, let's try adding a little uh, a little spike at forty hertz. You yeah. know, it's 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 very much a 
uh, yeah, an iterative process um, where you're adding and subtracting little elements and trying different different uh, approaches, uh, both on the kind of micro and macro levels. And yeah, I think I think yeah, they're 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 creative processes and experiences that um, that appeal similarly uh, to me, and I think I see I see the same Sorry, thing in a lot, lot of. of like I know a lot of. Um, musicians who are also cooks uh, or just you know kind of kitchen enthusiasts yeah would you guess that 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 the like amount of overlap between musicians and cooks we you know we're talking amateur but you know people who don't just cook for sustenance but you know people who like do kind of get into cooking and really enjoy it and you know it verges into a hobby rather than uh you know uh, just a task that needs to be done. Would you guess that that overlap is 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 much higher than in other? Um... Huh. I mean, I, like, I, that's hard for me to say. Like, anecdotally, there's anecdotally in my personal life, as someone who knows a lot of musicians, uh, I can say that seems true. Yeah. No, I mean, um, I I totally agree. But I'm just wondering if this is something we can generalize from, or if it's just to- totally anecdotal. I mean, everyone loves food. I don't want to pretend like that. I don't. <laughs> right, you know, right. <laughs> I don't want to pretend like anyone like we're. What? So here's a question: What portion of musicians also like snacks? Just, just throwing that <laughs> in. <there. laughs> Damn, it's true. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> Damn. Never thought about it like that. Um. Yeah. No. Uh, food obviously is something that you know is is a basic necessity that appeals yeah. to to almost everyone um but yeah anecdotally i can I, I i can say there's a there's a strong connection and i do know a lot of people who work professionally in kitchens uh who yeah who have also been in punk bands know, or whatever i mean, yeah like yeah, yeah also also either hobbyist musicians or or were or were previously musicians and then you know segued into I always felt that I always felt the compulsion on my, you know, music Instagram to post a picture of, uh, you know, a nice dinner I just chefed up. Well, I did post a lot of pasta. Um, Pasta uh, was great. But, you know, I was always uh, I was always encouraged not to do that kind of thing. Who was encouraging you not to? I just it wasn't anyone in particular. I just felt that I, I, I was getting messages from the universe that I needed to keep it, you know, rated in. Rain it in uh, and, ke- and keep keep like keep the IG on the straight and narrow, you know. Just oh, post pictures. That. Just post pictures of of you know gear, and that's it. Fuck that. Yeah. No, I agree. Insta- Instagram's a trash heap anyway. It is kind of crazy because I didn't go on there for for like, I would say I completely didn't even look at it for like a year or so. Oh wow! And I am just shocked at how. I mean, it is just ads. Like, yeah, of course it all. Of course, it always was, but um, the like change is really like when you step away from these things for a bit, because that's the whole business model, right? Is to just slowly increase the advertising and so like corner yes, the market I mean. and make it worse slowly over time because now there's no other <laughs> alternative, right? Right. Um, but uh, it's really when you step away from it for a bit and then come back. The change is really shocking. Sure, I spend very little time on Instagram, but I 
for me, it's like two, three to five minute Instagram sessions a week, maybe yeah. three. You know, it's every couple of days. Like, well, I'm waking up Instagram. Wow, this is awful. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of I've been back on it a little bit just to like because I've been messing around with the surge a lot and just posting little videos of it and just trying to that's, keep it. That's been fantastic. I've just been trying to keep it strictly that. But I feel like we kind of started the podcast, you know, it, during a moment where the Instagramification of techno was a very big and real thing. Um, and it's weird to be. I don't know. It's weird to kind of see that ecosystem still trudge on, you know? I mean, is it like, it seems like it, I maybe it'll all swing back into, into high gear in the next month. Now it kind of seems facing, that way, right? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It definitely, definitely could. Um, it's, it does feel like it's been pretty dormant though, which has been, been nice. Um, I don't know. Yeah. The music industry, we're sensibly a music podcast, right? Yeah. I mean, we're supposed to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if, if, if that if that kind of um, both kind of economy and ecology are going to swing back into uh, in the full swing. I feel like it's dead. I feel like part of it might have died forever. I hope. The techno industry? I, I mean, put or- blunt. Put bluntly, yes, that. Yeah. Um, but more specifically, just the kind of, um, uh, you know, the Instagram world mm-hmm. surrounding. It's hard to tell as well. It seems to me that much like uh, people were sort of getting disgusted with Facebook some years ago, it does seem to me that it wasn't just me who was kind of like not interested in looking at it anymore. Um seems to me that people are moving away from it, whether that's, I don't know, just from exhaustion or whether that's to some new, I, I, I can't imagine they're all moving to TikTok or whatever, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely anecdotally, like Instagram and Facebook, Facebook especially are completely dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Twitter remains king. I think, I think more uh, kind of, Private slash semi-private uh, channels are kind of where people have been moving. Yeah, that really does seem like the trend, right? I mean, we we you know we we kind of do that. Um, definitely, like there are a couple of different slacks and discords that you know we know of and friends are on and things like that. And that really does seem like the trend, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it ha- has been I think for about two years, but I do think the uh, yeah two three years. But the pandemic, I do think, really. Uh, kind of ramped up that process. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, things like Slack and Discord are not kind of great long-term solutions for these the, the problems that social media uh, introduced. But um, I, I, for myself personally, I find it a lot more satisfying to talk directly with friends about the topics that we're meant to be talking about rather than kind of just putting garbage out there uh, looking for certain feedback. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you sure. know, like it helps, uh, remove, you know, the, the kind of, uh, all the, all the kind of garbage that social media introduced as far as kind of self as brand uh, right. stuff. 
you know, we can engage with each other. Uh, we can get engage more with each other as individuals rather than as, as kind of, you know, um, commodifiable. Yeah. Rather than, you know, brands rather than mediated through our brands. Um, yeah. So that, you know, I know we, I know we maybe shouldn't, but should we talk about NFTs real quick? (laughs) I mean, what do you say? Modifile brands. They're, they're stupid. They're fucking dumb, man. It just it it astounds me the amount of people in our orbit that think of these as anything other than incredibly stupid. Yeah, well, you know, I'm sorry. Like, music should not be stocks. Like <laughs> that. That so, seems so, pretty clear cut to me. But so I'll I'll say this. Like, I have a lot of friends who've made various amounts of money on crypto, and I think crypto is the fucking dumbest thing in the world. Uh, I don't. I don't blame them or think they're bad people for having done that. Oh, there's a zero moral judgment, um, you know, on people who do it, you know. And you know, like if, if you have enough money to, you know, scare quote invest and chose to do that with crypto, I don't see that as any worse uh, a decision than if you would put that in the stock market. Um, at least, yeah, again, from a kind of ethical perspective, from a moral perspective. Uh, so, you know, and I understand similarly if like if I have a friend who decides to make an NFT or make a piece of art and turn it into an NFT, is that do you make NFTs? I don't even know. If that's the right uh the right kind of um framing there. Yeah, neither do I. Uh if I know someone who has done that, I mean, maybe I'll think a little less of them honestly, but you know, I I get it. you have to you have to make money, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't you know, make you know, make the money however you have to make it. Who gives a shit? But the idea but yeah, that the, it's like... The boosterism surrounding it is the really pathological. Yeah. The kind of like, no, 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 this is this time, this is the solution that's going to bring prosperity to artists everywhere. And this is the way we can, you know, kind of resolve these contradictions. And it's going to be, yeah, it's, this is the future. Um, no, you know what the, the best future. part about music was? Was uh, Discog scalping. Let's do that. <laughs> Yeah, right. Let's make um, music that. You know, it, it is what, what NFTs are fundamentally uh, are yet another way to reintroduce scarcity um, into into uh, what is like, you know, an increasingly kind of decommodified uh, sphere. Which um, is a good thing. I think, you know, and, and this is something we've talked about a bunch, but I really think it's like the decommodification of music is a good thing. Like, well, it's, it, yeah, it's getting artists paid is good, but. You know, I, and I, 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 and, sorry. I, I, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think the decommodification of music is, it, 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 I'm not sure if I want to say it's a good thing, but it, it's something that's happening. And I think it does present us some possibly interesting opportunities. Right. And openings. Um, and I think it's worth exploring those rather than trying to put music back and in, back into the old box. Well, the other thing that I um, can't not see is like, NFTs arising at the same time there are overlap multiple overlapping speculative bubbles going on in the economy. Yes, yeah, right. And so like you know this is just an this is just you know between GameStop and Archegos Capital and you know yeah. every other like and a new speculative housing bubble and the stock market at large 
and crypto NFTs arise sure. as yeah. a new place for the rich to park their money that isn't, totally. you know, in, I don't know, uh, a Medicare for all program or something or you right. know, some <laughs> larger public good or maybe hiring people or maybe paying your workers a little better, you know, um, anything but that. And NFTs arise as another place for that to take place. Um, yeah, totally, totally. So to think of this as like the future of music, like, I'm sorry, this is just another speculative bubble. And yes, that's it. And it, like, and, and it will crash. Uh, uh, yeah. Again, I don't if know anyone enough makes about... an NFT and gets paid, good on you. Go for it. Like, I, <laughs> I just don't give a shit. Yeah, that's great. You know? Um, yeah. But to think, but to then, like you said, it's the boosterism that's really kind of like. People really want to justify their schemes. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, that like let's not do that. Like yeah, if 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 you see this as a way to get rich quick, or you know get paid quick, then that's fine. But but this entities are not solving any problems here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Neither is crypto. Like, these are not real solutions to you know. Are you saying that? Problems. A, are you saying that a currency that in between the time that I press purchase and pay the value of the currency may have plummeted and the price drastically changed are you saying that's not a viable currency sean oh <laughs> uh, i mean because that sounds great i thought i was buying a shirt for 30 dollars, and it turns out i'm actually buying it for 500 dollars, <laughs> and i didn't and that happened in the course of half a second yeah that sounds it's... great i don't know oh god yeah Crypto is the worst. Um, but yeah, if you made money off it, that's fine. But yeah, I've, I've no, I've no real further thoughts on NFTs. I don't know. Uh, I'm not a tech tech guy enough to really, uh, you know, kind of have a critique of them on those grounds. I've, I, I have friends who have suggested they're like, you know, there are there are a, are a lot of reasons to be skeptical uh, beyond, you know, um, just just on very basic levels. Um, yeah but i kind of also think that's a little bullshit just because that that reminds me of like not to throw around some like real marx terms but that reminds me of like the fetish of like financial capital it's like the bankers telling everyone no we understand this stuff better than you you know like <laughs> it's the same thing with crypto is there it's like wrapped in the mystique of tech like, no, we understand it. Like, actually, like, you think it's dumb, but that's just because you can't understand it. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's dumb. I don't no, really no, think I... it needs... To... I think maybe the, like, the trying to understand it and, like, it is more of a trying to justify it to yourself or something is what it no. seems to me. I mean, I, I was saying that I have friends who, who have... I, I've seen friends and people critique them on... Critique them on those grounds. Like, right, like, right, right, right. Yeah, like, yeah. They're profoundly, like, even just technically unstable. Like, yeah. Like, they're, like, an NFT is usually, like, linked to, like, it's actually just linked to a URL. And if, if that, if, they, if, if the server goes down, it's gone. This Have you not... ever clicked on a broken link in your life, Sean? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Geocities.com. <laughs> um, so, yeah. My no, web uh, ring is broken. I'm trying to get from the Sailor Moon page on the <laughs> web ring to the next one, but it's not working. I don't know what happened. Uh, my point there was just that I gather there are there are there are good reasons to be skeptical beyond 
uh, just on a very basic technical level. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This thing, this thing really, really smells like snake oil. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'm yeah. not gonna, I'm not gonna, not gonna engage. If I if I bothered to mute things on Twitter, I would have muted it already. It's just hard to keep seeing it pop up as if it's, you know, for in in sort of very uncritical ways. I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. That's it's that's very... absolutely the worst part. That like that anyone seems to think this is a real solution to any problem. Yeah. Um, like that, that. This is going to be how artists get paid. Like this. Yeah. It's... Back to convincing Spotify to pay ours fairly. <laughs> That'll. That that I I think I think that idea's got some legs. I hate to um, like I hate to be kind of like a doomer podcast because we really aren't. I think you know, I I really don't want to like I I worry that sometimes we come off as being like ah everything's fucked and like it is, but that's not. I don't know, like I but like, I don't, music is still going to be around and we're still going to enjoy it. Oh uh, yeah, no, I I don't worry about coming off as as doomer. I'm I proudly. Um, well, we are proud. I mean, you know, the one thing we know is that we're going to die. So <laughs> that is literally the only thing that we know. So, yeah. <laughs>